Good morning and welcome to Living Better in San Diego, a public service presentation of the Intercom San Diego radio stations. I'm Susan DeVincent along with Yvonne Ermey. Today's topic is an important one. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month and today we're talking about an organization that's literally saved thousands of lives here in San Diego. The Center for Community Solutions offers immediate help to victims of domestic violence, taking them out of dangerous situations and offering a safe space for them and their children. Now, this is something close to my heart, and I've been so honored to help over the years with their fundraising events because, like so many others, we all see how CCS changes people's lives. Well, that, and we just love their longtime CEO and executive director and would do whatever she asks of us, <laughs> one of my dearest friends, Verna Griffin-Tabor. V, so happy you could be with us today. Thank you for having me and during such an important month and to raise awareness. So thank you so much for being willing to have this conversation. Well, it's not always an easy conversation to have, but we're going to do that today. I think it's just important to shine a spotlight on the tremendous support that you give people here in San Diego. For someone who who's not familiar with the Center for Community Solutions. Give us an overview of CCS and their mission. Happy to do that, Susan. So Center for Community Solutions is just celebrating its 50th anniversary of serving our community. And what that really means is that 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Center for Community Solutions has a hotline. We respond to anybody who's been, uh, who calls police for sexual assault and domestic violence. So we have attorneys on staff, therapists, advocates, as I mentioned, a 24-hour hotline, three emergency shelters. So we are in 10 locations in our county, and we, as uh, we spoke before, we touched 22,000 people last year. So let's jump into the meat of this. I wanted to ask you, one of the problems seems to be people actually recognizing that they're in a toxic relationship. Yes. So what are some of the red flags? You know, sometimes these toxic relationships, it's like turning up the burner on a boiling pot just ever so slowly. So things like um, jealousy and somebody saying, that's just because I love you so much, Mm. uh, controlling finances, uh, not wanting you to spend as much time with your friends and family, so trying to isolate you, are some of the beginning warning signs. That is not love. That is some areas of control that become warning signs. You know, you just touched on something too often, uh, you know, when it comes to finances. You hear women saying that, where am I going to go? He's the breadwinner, and I have no money, and I've got small children. What am I going to do? I'm, I'm locked into this situation. But that is right there what's incredible about CCS, because somebody that's in a situation like that can literally just grab their kids and leave with the clothes on their back and you guys will take care of everything and make sure that they're safe. Absolutely we will. And we also advise people if they're contemplating this to call our hotline which is 888-DV-LINKS. That's 888-DV-LINKS. And the reason I say if they're contemplating that it's also good to have a plan and we call it safety planning so that they get their financial records in place and they need to do this discreetly if they're fearful for their lives and we have some just basic steps to help people put a safety plan together. Once they're ready to go and they're walking out that 
door, we will absolutely be able to support them and help them. So you would suggest, I mean, unless it's like an emergency situation, to pre-plan this before they make an exit. Yes, because things like financial records, social security cards, anything that they can validate that's theirs, they're going to need that to start over. And many Uh times people out of uh, anger and retaliation will destroy that, destroy the car. So it's getting things in order. It won't take a lot. And our, our hotline can really talk you through those points of getting your safety plan together and also really sorting through what would be the safest way to leave because sometimes that is the most dangerous time in a uh, domestic violent relationship. Now, not all abusive relationships are at risk of lethality, but some are. That's why we recommend for those situations to talk through with our staff. You know, too often, public perception is that this only happens in certain income brackets or certain neighborhoods, but this is across all demos, all income levels, and with people you never would have suspected. Absolutely, and we hear it a lot from somebody saying, I never thought I would find myself in this relationship, and now what do I do? It is across all lines and all ages. We're on the campus of some high schools and nine college campuses, and if you talk about domestic violence to students, they're like, I'm not married. I'm not in a DV relationship. We talk about intimate partner violence. We talk about emotional abuse and um, behaviors that are possibly leading to abuse so that we can also try to get on the front end of this for any age. So you recently did a training with, I think, the SDSU baseball team or the basketball team? baseball. When you do an educational class with a team like this, what kind of stuff do you talk about? Well, first, just a shout out to Coach Martinez Mm because he sought us out and now we're on the campus and have been on the campus of San Diego State, Mm -hmm. not only teaching all athletes, but we're also working for incoming freshmen as far as preparing them and then if somebody's been harmed we have somebody in the medical clinic who can help them if they've been sexually assaulted or experienced intimate partner but back to your question Mm -hmm. what we do is first we train the coaches we train them about what we're going to say what we're going to do so their conversations can parallel what we do and then we train the students alone the athletes without the coaches without any staff so they're not worried about their scholarship they're not worried about what their coaches are going to do And then we only do a minimum of three sessions where we talk about upstander intervention. What do you do if you see something going sideways? Athletes really get that. You talk about consent and what does that really mean? And then healthy relationships and healthy communication. And many times when we finish this class, the evaluations that are anonymous are like, why didn't we get this information in junior high? You know, when you talk about, though, we talk to these guys alone, do you mean alone like the team or individually? Because I wonder if they would say, "Mm, if I see my buddy doing something that's a little inappropriate, I... I'm not going to bust his chops. I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to be that guy. But you need to speak up. You need to really show other men what it means to be a real man. And we teach them together because our thinking is there's a bit of accountability for each of them. They've all heard the same thing. Right. But we try to create an environment where they can kind of break down some of the myths that they've had. And the reason we do it without coach coaches or parents or professors is so that we can try to create a space where they can really 
really take apart and unpack some of the myths. What does she want? What does he want? So you did this educational class with a group of men. Is it different? Do you do do the same kind of educational training with women, or how is it different when you're talking to these two groups? It's uh, a lot the same in terms of consent and what does it mean and what does it mean to how how are they seeing what it means to be a young woman or a young man. The other thing we do is we teach all incoming athletes at San Diego State, again, without coaches, without professors, but that's co-ed. And that has a different um, dynamic when they're talking and hearing each other. What do they really want? What does consent really mean to them? And have them really break that out. And so I know you you started the SDSU campus. We did. In the late 60s. Yes. So is this new to involving men more in this educational? I mean, did people used to talk to men about this? You know, it has something as a society, not just here in San Diego, that we have not done. We've often talked about helping people heal, particularly women, and then what to do if you're harmed. But the real equation is all aspects. How does this happen? How are we teaching young men, young women what it means? And what does consent mean? So I, this has this conversation has been evolving over the last two decades, and it's it's much needed. And the Me Too and Times Up have yeah. really catapulted a lot sure. of these conversations. To know that it's okay to come forward, to know that women that have been in this situation, Yvonne and I were talking about this earlier. And you know, if you were to just sit down in a group full of women yes. and just friends talking, it's shocking how many people in the group, if one admits that this has happened to them, how someone else will say, you know that happened to me too Absolutely. and I was in that situation too it's crazy what percentage of women is this happening to it's one in four wow yes one in four and this violence is preventable it yes. is not inevitable that's why this conversation and many like it are so important so that people know they're not alone and they don't have to be shamed into silence after you've been harmed if you're shut down it can do so much harm to you emotionally physically and also you tend to feel ashamed for something you had no responsibility and you didn't create yeah, the harm. Right. I don't usually ever talk about this, but I was in an abusive situation when I was much, much younger with a boyfriend that I was in a relationship with for five years, but uh, he got involved with serious drugs right. that I knew nothing about right. and didn't know how to deal with. And I loved him, so I tried to help him. I tried getting him in programs, but what I learned is that his abuse of drugs would soon turn to abuse of me. And it got to the point where I knew if I stayed in that situation, I was gonna die. Like I really, he almost killed me one night. Right. (laughs) Thank you for your courage in saying that, Susan, because you don't know how many people hearing this really do need to know that it can happen to any single one of us. For sure. And people do think out of what love is to help somebody, but until somebody is ready to do that for themselves, we cannot do it for another. And it's an endless cycle because all he kept telling me is, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It'll never, never happen, happen again. again. And, and I love you. Please don't leave me. If you leave me, I'm going to die. And I felt like, how can I be responsible if he dies? I'm going to feel so guilty. So the guilt kept me there Absolutely. for so much longer. My family didn't know about it. My best friends didn't know about it. It was such a secret. It was crazy that it went on for so long. But what I learned in the end, and any woman who's gone through it realizes... 
that you can't control someone else. You cannot. You can only control yourself. Exactly. And you, so you, it's not your responsibility to fix him. Right. He, that's a solo journey. He it has is. to fix himself. And only he can do it. You know, we can love and support our friends, but when that violence and, and that really, whether it's emotionally, uh, physically or financially, it is violence. You cannot stop it unless someone wants to take charge. And I cannot tell you how many people stay, Susan, just because of the kind of compassion you're expressing when they say it's never going to happen again. I didn't mean it. They mean the words at that moment, but they do not have the skill set and they're not willing to have the courage yet to go get the help. So you did a very brave and courageous thing, but it's so hard. I mean, look at all these years later, and it's still, even just talking about it, just rattles me. I mean, there's times where I, I mean, even all these years later, I'll walk into a dark parking lot, and I want to look to make sure that someone's not crouching on the other side of my car, because he used to do that. Right. And would watch me, like, all the time. And so I was so afraid about leaving that, he was going to come find me. This is one of the great things about CCS. I mean, it's almost like you're like a family to somebody that has to Absolutely. leave right away. Because like we talked about earlier with a young mom that just needs to grab her kids and go. And remember, right. you need to go because you need to keep your kids safe. And you need to someday show your children an example of what a healthy relationship looks like. Otherwise, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. And you're going to show a young boy that maybe... That this is how you treat women, or right. you're going to show a young girl that if it's if a guy treats you like this, it's just the way it is. We have to break that cycle, and it is breakable. It truly is. The thing I want listeners to know is that we won't talk you into or out of anything. We're going to listen to what the situation is. We're going to sort through uh, with you, whether it's on the phone, whether it's in a therapy session, whether it's with an attorney, to see, because everybody's situation is unique. Is it safe for you to leave? What kinds of uh, safety valves do you have? What kind of community supports? What can we do to help you with that so that we really believe that each individual has the strength and we will join with them to find those solutions? There is something that maybe the public doesn't know, but we're also asked by the DA to coordinate something called high-risk teams, and that's when somebody in the community, it can be a medical provider, it can be law enforcement, our therapist, they know somebody's in serious harm's way. And sometimes people get so used to managing a really challenging violent situation that they think they've got it covered. So we do a lethality assessment and it's a research-based tool that really informs somebody that this really is now we're talking life-threatening. So our uh, the DA asked us to coordinate high-risk teams. So tw- and within 24 to 48 hours, we can pull a community together to protect that si- survivor and also hold a perpetrator accountable. What do you do, though, if a woman says to you, I, I want to get out, but I just don't want him arrested? We'll talk through, okay, what would that look like and what would that mean? Is it counseling that you want so that you get a little bit more time to take that and unpack what it is you really want? Um, Sometimes people don't want that person arrested because it could be their financial support for their children and they might not have any other means. So then we begin with our attorneys and our therapists to really talk with them. What kind of options do you have? What's in the community where they're safe? Do you want our shelters? Some people don't need our shelters. They need financial assistance to get like in an apartment. This is a very expensive city. If that's the case, sometimes we can help with that. But we really try to individualize that conversation so that we know what's safe for them and what they want so that they move at their own pace. 
if people start telling them what to do, how to do, that's just like what happened with the abuse. And we are not going to do that. We believe they have the strength. So when I think about these uh, toxic relationships and trying to leave these relationships that are sometimes emotionally abusive, sometimes physically abusive, I feel like it can feel like a drug, like quitting a drug, you know, to quit a person. Right. Do you have people who maybe seek help and then end up going back and kind of relapsing in this way? Yes, we do. And for a variety of reasons. And we, our staff sometimes are heartbroken only because they respect that somebody's decision, but they also uh, get concerned that the violence has been escalating and that it may continue. But our sense is what we're doing is planting seeds of hope to know that hope and healing are possible. And that if they're not ready, we've had people leave our shelter go back and then come back again because they knew we weren't going to judge them they knew we were going to believe them and support them and so occasionally we see people returning but we then see them often coming back because they know we're not going to blame them or hold you know or throw anything in their face because we know that they're trying to make the best possible decision and you had mentioned um, that you do a lethality assessment yes what goes into a lethality assessment you know there's questions about uh, and it's it's a tool that was designed by a woman by the name of Jackie Campbell out of John Hopkins. And it, it if you score a certain level, it says, the research shows it's been used for about 15 to 20 years now. And it really is a wake-up call to some people who've been living in extreme violence and managing to, to get through it. And so there, it's a series of questions and they answer it, and if they score a certain level, it's it's been shown through research to show what the lethality is. Certainly if guns are in the house, but there's many different questions. Right. We're speaking this morning to V. Tabor. She's the CEO and executive director of the Center for Community Solutions, taking people out of some very dangerous situations. Domestic Violence Awareness Month is the month of October. This is not something we need to focus on just monthly, right. but of course, all year long. And as we talk about how prevalent this is and how maybe it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Maybe a man saw that as an example when he was growing up. Do you find that, that a lot of people who are abusers were abused in their life? Yes. And that's why it's so important that we talk about earlier education and we also talk about uh, what it means to be young men, young women, or whatever gender you identify with, because the cycle of violence can be broken, but by people blaming people, by saying, "What? why aren't you just leaving? What were you wearing? What were you drinking in the case of sexual assault? Those kinds of questions blame somebody for the harm they've endured. So it's raising consciousness doing prevention and education early on, it truly is possible to prevent this. And then once somebody has been harmed, to know that they can heal, they can. this does not have to define who they are, mm-hmm. and they can move behind it. Beyond you know what's it. funny? One of the things that someone who's been abused will hear, and I heard it too, is, well, you made me do this. Yes. You did something, you made me mad, and you knew that was going to make me mad. And it could be something as simple as burning dinner, coming home five minutes late. Where were you? You know, and in my case, I think because of the drugs, he was so paranoid all the time that right. I was having an affair, but probably he was. I mean, right. I don't even know. I don't even care. But right. it's so hard to kind of change people's thinking right. about what's normal, what they should take. And as Yvonne said earlier about identifying a toxic relationship. It's not a conversation parents really have with young children. The dad should tell a son, this is what it means to be a man. And when a woman says no, that means no. And to tell a young girl, 
be strong enough to get out of a situation. You don't have to do things you think you don't right. want to do that make you uncomfortable. Absolutely. And it does start young. So like you say, V, we have to really prevent this, not just deal with it after it's already happened. Absolutely. And it is truly preventable. And the research is showing when people invest in doing the prevention, that it really is possible to prevent further harm. And it's possible that people can heal and move on. And that no longer is a part of them. I was reading before you came in, I think a profile in San Diego Magazine. You mentioned something about kids knowing it's okay that they don't have to accept a hug. And I just remembered this, like mm. my parents telling me, you have to hug your aunt or your uncle. Or, you, you know, I th- feel like a lot of people have had their parents say this to mm-hmm. them. And is this also like conditioning that we have to accept people into our physical space, even if that makes us uncomfortable? Or You are 100% right. Giving little people the permission to set limits about who touches their body is starting out on a really good, solid place. It doesn't mean your kid is ungrateful, disrespectful, and whatever Mm -hmm. they're picking up intuitively or whatever mood they're in, we still sometimes see people making them. So it's it starts that early. Yeah. So V, let's talk about what you need for the Center for Community Solutions. I know you say you have an army of people that are helping you. You served last year alone a nearly twenty three. 3,000 people. Think about that. In one year, 23,000 people. So you must have to have an army of people behind you. What are you looking for? What do you need? So we have 70 staff in 10 locations. We cannot do our work without volunteers. Right now we have 300 volunteers. So if anybody wants to volunteer, if they want to do uh, work with individuals or children, we have an extensive training we put people through that allow for confidentiality. We always need funding. We can't meet the demand today for prevention and when people need to heal. And when they need to heal, we need to be ready to open those doors. So we're trying to fundraise so we can meet the need. And then we also, if someone's interested in providing leadership, we need people on our board. We need community leaders who want to help us navigate the future. So there's many different ways if listeners would like to get involved, they can go to our website, ccssd.org, stands for Center for Community Solutions San Diego. They can call our hotline, 888-DV-LINKS. But we do need um, an army of people, as you say. And do you also need attorneys? You say you offer legal help for people, too. So you're looking for somebody locally that can help in that way as well? Yes, we have seven attorneys on staff. The legal services are the number one requested service for domestic violence survivors. And so we desperately need more attorneys. We're trying to expand our capacity with that. And someone does have to go through our training just to make sure they're trauma-informed. They know the way we approach folks. So... Yes, thank you. We do need attorneys. Can I ask you to, we talk about this like as if somebody in the immediate need is going to get help. But what about somebody who's still feeling the effects of something years later? Do they come to you as well? They absolutely do. I met somebody a while ago who carried uh, our little card folded up in uh, her purse for about five years. She was molested as a teenager by her family member, never told anyone. So she came, she spoke, she went through therapy and really tries to be an advocate and speaks out to the community many times to say help is always available. This is not your dirty little secret, and you can rid yourself of that kind of blame and shame. So yes, we do see people. When we're talking about being trauma-informed, so how can we support our friends who have been traumatized in this kind of way? Great question. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So first and foremost, 
believe somebody, be a friend. You don't have to be a therapist. Be kind and be supportive and believe them. Stay away from questions like, what were you thinking? Why don't you just leave? What were you wearing? Those things connote judgment and shut people down in a heartbeat. And it's what what can I do as your friend to support you? Do you want me to look for resources? Do you know where to go to get help? Do you want that? It's really being validating that nobody deserves to be harmed. That is not what love looks like. I believe you. How can I support you? And again, if someone does share a story with you about something that happened to them recently or even a long time ago, never say to them, I never would have thought that would have happened to someone like you. It makes you feel stupid for staying in a relationship. And it will shut you down in a heartbeat because no one wants to feel stupid. And it it has nothing to do with intellect. It has nothing to do with the heart. It has everything with you're talking to somebody who's been harmed straight and simple. They didn't do anything wrong. They've been harmed. So what should you say to someone that opened up to you about their past? I would start with saying thanks for the courage to share that. I just want you to know um, no one deserves that. Is there anything I can do to support you? What would support look like to you? And I would stay on that vein. I wouldn't suggest they go get help. I wouldn't suggest they go to counseling. I would ask them. Believe in their strength. Believe in their ability. And really, it takes a lot of courage to admit this. We've been talking a lot about women who have experienced violence, trauma, and domestic relationships, but we know that there are also a lot of men who experience this. Yes. Can we talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. In our shelter, we accept men. I'd say we had about eight to 10 men in our domestic violence shelter who are fleeing domestic violence. We also see men who've been sexually assaulted, and they can be heterosexual, they can be LGBTQ, they can be trans. It doesn't matter. Help's available. It's important for men to know helps available and they're not alone and the prevalence of sexual assault and domestic violence is also much higher than the public is aware it's about one in 12 men wow and I don't want to compare here but there must be an even deeper level of shame for a man because men are supposed to always feel like they can protect themselves right Right? So it must be harder for a man to come forward. You know, it's hard for men and women, but men carry a different banner of protection and guard because of everything we do to socialize young men and young boys about what it means to be a man. You know, pull yourself up from your bootstraps, tough it out. And all those things go deeper to silencing people. But for men and women or whatever gender, it is hard to ask for help. It's hard to own this just because of the amount of blame and shame people feel. So what would you say right now to a man or a woman that's listening that suspects that they're in a toxic relationship? Oh, I imagine they know. But to know that it's time to get out. Now you're at the point where you're getting harmed. Your children are at risk. When's the time to go? What, what do you say? I would say to any listener who's really questioning their safety to feel free to call our hotline. It's 24 hours. It's without judgment. It's an easy way to access any of our services. It's a way to try us out for size and see and hear that nobody's going to be blamed for what they're enduring and that we will not insist on what the path is going to be. We're going to lay out a number of options that they can do and they will select. We're not going to dictate what help looks like. And it may take 
take one, two, three, four, five phone calls before they really know what they want to do. Certainly, we're always willing to take walk-ins at any of our locations, and we will accept folks. But sometimes people need to sort through. And because of the kind of conversation we've been having, sometimes it's hard to have this conversation with your family members or friends because you're blaming yourself and asking yourself things like, how did I ever find myself here? Or they say, how could you not tell me? Exactly. Why did you not tell me? It's like, because I was embarrassed. For whatever reason, I didn't. But let's just move forward from here. And again, that hotline number is 888-DV-LINKS. Yes. Domestic violence. Yes. 888-DV-LINKS. Correct. And again, your website? It's www.ccssd.org. But if you just type in Center for Community Solutions, our website will come up. And by the way, if you ever can go to any one of the events... (laughs) That this woman puts on the fundraisers are spectacular people share stories it's incredible thank you but you have had some stellar celebrities that have come down yes. from la and from all over to be part of some of your events we've had gloria steinem we've had gina davis marley matlin uh, meredith baxter robin givens we've been very blessed to have people come and share their voice their own stories often we're getting writers who also spend time uh, signing books but again the message that we're looking for is to let people know authentically that this happens but that there's every reason to be hopeful about their ability to heal there's every reason to be hopeful about how we can prevent this violence fee Tabor here ceo of the center for community solutions in san diego as i said in the beginning just absolutely changing lives and i think we are so lucky to have you here in San Diego V. You can clearly see, by the way, why she was nominated as CEO of the year (laughs) Uh, because you've just made CCS a model around the country to look at how you're changing lives in San Diego. Susan, thank you. But anybody who does this work knows you do not do this alone. What you're offering me today to be able to have a voice for people who may be listening, that's part of the solution. I work with the most amazing, passionate, capable professional staff very wise board and incredible volunteers so I just get to be the voice for so many people I'm standing on their shoulders so thank you for the accolades but they it really belongs to the people I stand shoulder to shoulder with and most importantly the people who have the courage to come through our front door the survivors well and again if you can volunteer or help in any way or if you even just want to make a donation head over to the website absolutely Center for Community Solutions San Diego ccssd.org Tabor, so wonderful talking to you today, and thank you for all the good work you've done in San Diego. Thank you so much. Thanks for the friendship, and thanks for today. This is Living Better in San Diego. Susan DeVincent, on behalf of Yvonne Ermey and myself, enjoy your week, and we'll see you next Sunday. The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect the opinions and views of the staff and management of the Intercom San Diego radio stations. Episodes of Living Better in San Diego are available on this station's website. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.